0: back for another episode of the lakers fast break podcast it's jerry glassford coming right back at you here from lakers fast break pop culture cosmos inside sports fantasy football and game source we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows and if you can please, please please please, please Give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts or like, subscribe, whatever you can do. Follow, because I know some of the uh, apps that are out there you have to follow. Please go ahead and support us any way you can. It is truly, truly appreciated by all of the shows that we do. Plus also our guests, all of our guests that are coming on the show that have podcasts, if you can support them as well, including our guests today, please do so. It is truly appreciated by all of us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, because I've got a great guest on who has his own awesome show, although it's not on the Lakers per se, but it's on another great team in the NBA, or a team that has a future, a youth movement, I should say, that's that's coming on.
1: Yeah, great's a tough word.
0: Yes, yes. Great is a tough word. I shouldn't say that. It's a, sometimes I say great too much. So but it is a youth movement on the way. Some of it was supplied by the Lakers themselves. But it is a, a team with the youth movement, and actually you're going to be seeing it a lot more close up here in the next few days because they are part of the NBA's bubble. It is the Washington Wizards, and I've got on a great guest. See? There you go. Great again. Great guest today who is the host, along with NBA veteran Larry Hughes, the guard that played so many years in the league. I know he was, a, he was just an awesome player when he was playing, and each time he sits down with our guest, you, he, they go in depth on the Washington Wizards, the NBA, and so much more. It is Matt Moderno. And I'll tell you what, Matt, it's just great to have you on the show. And thank you for reaching out. I'm just so thankful to have you on the program today.
1: Yeah, no, it's great to be here. I talk basketball anytime. And I feel like, uh, you know, whatever bright future we have, part of it we owe to the Lakers. So uh, this is this is kind of nice. We're basically the the Lakers G League team at this point.
0: And that has been the joke amongst Lakers fans. I'm trying to be a little bit more gracious about it because of the fact that two of the three that I think you've got on your team, I think have a future. Mo Wagner, if he can stay healthy, you see that he hit very well behind the three-point lane. Uh, Isaac Bonga, um, he is the Fran Frachilla. And I say Fran Frichilla, I'm in my opinion, two years away from being two years away. Even now, what I'm seeing is is still a long way for him. But your center, as far as it's concerned, you know, his former second round choice of the Lakers, he's come up to be a pretty good player as well.
1: Yeah, I'm curious what you think of Thomas Bryant and what you've seen from him from the last you know two years because he's uh, he's kind of a de- you know a divisive player here in the DC area. Um, I-, I feel like I'm kind of the de facto uh, president of his fan club, so I, I feel like I d- I defend him a lot, but. He's so young still and and everybody's like, "Well, you know, he's not a great defender yet." And it's it's so hard to defend the paint in the NBA if you're 21 years old and haven't gotten a lot of minutes. So, um be curious to hear what what you guys think of.
0: I think he has a future. I thought he did back then when he was playing with the Lakers. I I think he was one of the harder individuals we we let go and we let slip away from our team, but as you know, we had to make a lot of financial choices because of who we're getting and Thomas Bryant as a second round pick from Indiana, I thought was a steal. At that point in time it's proven to be the case. I think he has a future, whether or not it's it's at a starting level I'm not entirely sure. Let's say, let's say starting level on a on a really good team. He could be. He could be very well, because he can do the pick and roll. He can go out to the corners and pop at a good percentage. That's the thing. He has that touch, something we saw glimpses of with the Lakers whenever we, we got him into the game. I think that if he goes ahead and, and just maybe gets a little bit stronger, I think he can go ahead and uh, be a little bit more... Impactful on the defensive end, but you're you know I th- I is a, a big fan of like you said of his his playing. I don't blame you for being that because we saw the potential was there. I am hopeful that he goes ahead and lives up to that p- potential. I know he because of the numbers that he's starting to produce with Washington, he's starting to generate a lot of buzz. Like you said, either which way, he's also getting into range where he's going to be because he was a second round draft pick those contract talks come a lot sooner and now it comes to okay what price tag is he going to ask for that is the problem is he going to be that great value that he has been or going forward is he going to be getting it to the point where is he going to be a little bit in that overpriced rate i mean how many big men have we seen have one or two great years they go ahead and they sign those big contracts. And then they're, well, you know, Timothy Mozgov here <laughs> at the Lakers. That tells you right there.
1: Yan yeah, you know, for the Wizards.
0: Exactly. Yummy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We were talking about from 2016, the rest, you know, the, the remnants of 2016 are right there for you. That's what I fear because he's on that teeter totter right there, whether or not he becomes a really good player and a strong individual on a winning team or he could become a liability financially because he had just a period of time where he's really good before he signed a massive contract Uh, he's right on that either or so i'm not sure exactly which way he'll fit in
1: yeah i see him as probably you know if you want to be a really good team with deep playoff aspirations he's got to be probably your fifth best starter i mean realistically maybe fourth or fifth if, if he and the other guy are about the same but Uh, This actually was the first year of his most recent contract. And I want to say he makes like 7 million a year, which um, it might, you know, incrementally go up over the next two years of it, but uh, you can't beat that even, even as a backup center in the league. So that's the one thing I think we've done right in the last couple of years is, is get him on a reasonably team friendly deal. And just so tough in the NBA to find guys in sort of that middle contract range, you know, they either make 35 million or they make two. So uh it's good even as as a trade asset i would think
0: he is a good value right now and i'm hoping it stays that way the thing is like you mm-hmm. said once he gets finished with that contract yeah that's that's the thing and he's going to produce numbers on these on a team like Washington Wizards where they're uh, you like i don't want to say bad team but it's a team that's, no, we that's right. okay.
1: it's it's fine. it's okay. fair okay. Okay. I mean, we're so not fine. very good right now
0: Well, a team with your record a team with the record that yeah. that you have there uh, or teams with those records like the lakers were for seven years you're going to have big numbers on those teams you're going to sometimes get contracts i mean we're seeing what now with julius randall and the knicks you know he's now got a you know, poor guy he's got a contract there that a lot of new york knicks fans do not appreciate and do not like even though he's a really good kid and really nice player but you, that, that's the thing with Thomas Bryant. Which way is he going to go? He's going to produce some numbers if he stays healthy, I think, on those type of teams. And you're right. As a fifth starter, as a pick-and-roll guy, as a guy who can go out and get out to the three-point lane on the wings, on the ends, he can produce as long as he's hitting right above 35 to 40% from the three-point line. He can still do that for you, I think. And if... if provide enough defense. All he has to do is just provide enough defense for you long-term. I think he can be a very good player in the league.
1: We recently had um, Brendan Haywood and Anton Thomas, two former Wizards centers on, on our podcast in the last couple months. And and the takeaway from both of them is just, it's almost impossible to be a good defensive center in your first two, three years in the league, because you're just so responsible um, for kind of the, the group defense, you know, and and nobody for washington playing is, is playing particularly lockdown perimeter defense right now so yeah. uh, you're the guy you're the guy that looks bad you know when something goes wrong anywhere else on the floor the the guy at the rim is is usually the one that that everybody points to so it you know got to get him a little break i think
0: yeah absolutely and but if he gets into his fourth fifth sixth year and he's still missing a lot of right. defensive assignments there yeah, totally lies agree. the problem uh, and there there you get to really understand what kind of defensive player he is, I think, right around there. But, yes, you're right. For the first couple of years, you got to give him some, some break as he's learning because, like you said, the NBA is about a learning process, and it's something where people have to go ahead and understand. You know, Like you said, from the center position, you're the last line of defense, and you just have to understand where you need to be at all times, and it takes some time in learning that, especially from the center position.
1: Yep, totally agree.
0: Now talking about the Washington Wizards here is it's just like I said, I hear all the time what the Lakers fans say and about the, when it comes to the Washington Wizards, and I, I already put that out there. But the future of the Washington Wizards looks a lot brighter. I mean, now I don't even know what to expect because they don't have Bradley Beal there. They don't have Davis Bertans. I know that obviously Bradley Beal, whether or not he wants to, he's he's right now saying he wants to stay with the team. But the future could be dictated otherwise. But Davis Bertans, he obviously wants. He sat out because he's had two knee injuries. He, he's just doing it as a precaution. He's he's in line for a nice big paycheck from either Washington or or any one of the other teams that are out there. You know, I can't say I blame them. But how effective does that give you guys a chance as far as battling for that eighth playoff spot? Because you have. Uh, brooklyn which i think almost called larry hughes out and they might have called larry hughes because of the fact that yeah, they're it, getting close yeah they're getting it's, it's
1: close. it's a skeleton crew there
0: so your co-host might have been actually getting in the back in the uniform for the nba team because brooklyn is just really so hard times right now there is a chance that yeah i know they're what five and a half games out but there is a chance if they uh, perform
1: yeah. well yeah we're we're six back of brooklyn and but you only have to close it to four to force yes. a play in so so, so that 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 gives you a little hope that gives you a little hope do you think they can manage to do it you know the 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 thing that's going to make it really tough is uh it just came out i guess yesterday or or maybe on friday but thomas bryant didn't travel with the team actually because he uh is now now has covid gary Payton also you know from the lakers organization too also has covid garrison matthews who was an undrafted player we picked up that that is a like world-class shooter didn't travel with the team for personal reasons so we're kind of in a similar boat to brooklyn like uh, like you said uh, larry's probably only a couple calls uh, away here uh, if if guys come back
0: we were talking before Raphael barlow and i about joe johnson i mean we're we're running out of names here because michael beasley got picked up by brooklyn yeah jr smith yeah jr smith well yeah jr smith immediately already arguing about his uh, or complaining about his hotel room yeah, Jamal Crawford. I mean, all these names. I was thinking at yeah, the basketball tournament that was going on, uh, on the side, they're going to get all those players involved in there pretty soon. If that that works yeah, it's out, it's not far off. Yeah, it's not far. And off. There are a couple
1: guys in there. There's a couple guys in there that look like they could go. Uh, I mean, um, Mike Dom, uh, you know, probably could have been a first round pick if he'd have left a year earlier. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they were watching those games pretty intently.
0: I would be wouldn't be surprised as well. It's just it's so funny how that that's worked out. I my thoughts are with those players that that have contracted it. I'm hoping for a safe and healthy return whenever they can return to the hard court. But in your own opinion, do you think the the Washington Wizards uh have a chance to go ahead and compete?
1: I I think they can close the gap to be honest with you. You know, for Brooklyn it's does it really do them much good to to make a playoff push either, you know? I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, guys like Jamal Crawford or Michael Beasley out there just to, you know, those older players are there to just kind of mentor some guys and teach them a few tricks. And I think they want to grow their younger guys. You'll see a lot of Jared Allen minutes, um, people that, you know, like the Nets are decent, but they they're actually still pretty young overall. So. I think they're probably going to do something similar to what Washington wants to do. Just get guys a lot of minutes, get them better and whatever happens happens. So I, I think we could close the two games realistically. It's just tough to beat a team two games in a row for that play in series. You know, there's no way we're going to overtake them and, and be the, the eight seed going into it. I, I think Orlando is, you know, much better positioned to, to just sort of sneak up to seven. So it's a two horse race. would be my opinion, but They've actually played well against Brooklyn. It's just, you know, anytime you have to do two sudden death back-to-back win games for a team that's as young as Washington, you know, Isaac Banga or Isak Bunga is probably a, a realistic starter at this point. I wouldn't think it's too likely. I don't know to think about that, though.
0: Well, with Isaac Bunga, like I said, he's still, he's still a project. Uh, even on my time when I'm watching him on the floor for Washington, he's getting the minutes. It's just a case where he hasn't put it all together yet. I'm not saying he's going to or not going to. I'm just saying he hasn't as of yet. I mean, somebody with that kind of size that he does and his, well, the capabilities. I know what Magic Johnson saw at that time when they drafted him. Magic Johnson saw Magic Johnson when Isaac Bonga was drafted. I know that's what he was saying at that point of time. But I understand with Isaac Bonga, there is still a lot of development there. But I think you've got you've got Rui. Rui Hashimura has done such a great job so far. He's looking like a bright spot on your team. Do you think he can step it up in this eight-game period of time to maybe, uh, not necessarily just, I'm not asking just to actually catch up to the eight spot or to get into that playing game, but do you can you see just like a big leap for Rui Hashimura because there has, it's that point in time where late in the year you have those rookies that are finally starting to get it. I'm finally starting to go ahead and things are starting to click I think things for him could start to click very soon.
1: So he he missed a pretty good portion in the middle of the season uh, with a groin injury. And when he came back, he looked like kind of a, a different player. It was really funny where, you know, he'd have like 18 points in a first half and, and look so sharp and do almost nothing in the second half. I'm not really sure if that was just getting his conditioning back or, or what the deal was, but the shot, you know, looked like it had more arc to it, and and that's the thing. He's a great mid range shooter right now, but you don't need that much arc on your jump shot to do that. So the, the NBA three point line's been a challenge, but it just looked better. and And we recently had the Wizards G League coach Ryan Richmond on, and and he talked. He's been in the gym with them, doing a lot of like player development, the individual workouts to get them ready for Orlando. And his big takeaway was was Hey, man, Hatchamora looks like a just you know, a half step better, more athletic, stronger. The shot looks better. You know, the other player that the Washingtons talked a lot about is Troy Brown, Jr. You know, really good ball handler, really good rebounder for sort of a two or three wing player. You know, the question is, can he shoot it? Uh, There's a lot of guys on the Wizards where if, if if they end up like reasonable shooters, you know, they're, they're pretty good, but both of them have so, you know, supposedly they look leaner and fitter. and, And I think that'll make the biggest difference, but But you give Hatchamore the ultimate green light and and he can put up, you know, 20 easy. So I, I definitely think he'll look good.
0: That's what I'm thinking as well. I think that he has developed and like you said, he had that injury, but he's come back now. And with that time off, I think he's going to take advantage of it. And now in these eight games, I think you're going to see a stretch where you're going to see him averaging close to, if not over 20 points a game. I think he's going to be the person on offense that they're going to go ahead and turn to. So I expect a growth and a maturation period that he's going to take advantage of going forward.
1: This is Raphael from NBA draft junkies.com. And you are listening to the Lakers fast break.
0: Check out what's been going on with the pop culture Cosmo show and the PCC multiverse. I see the potential for
1: basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where Promoted, and this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop
0: Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse every week on Apple Podcasts and over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options.
1: It's it's almost impossible for an NBA team not to score 100 points in a game at this point. So somebody has to put the ball in the basket, and and just looking at the rest of the guys they have, Ish Smith going to play a lot of minutes for them. You know, he's a 10, 12, um, you know, a game kind of guy at best. Shabazz Napier is probably going to end up being the starting point guard. He's going to be in a similar boat. Maybe he ups it a little bit more with, with more minutes. You know, no. T- if if Thomas Bryant does or doesn't play, makes a big difference. I think, you know, Mo Wagner's probably never going to score, you know, more than 15 a game. Uh, so Hatchamore is kind of, the, kind of the first option on offense, I would imagine.
0: And that's going to be great for him, that he's going to take this opportunity. And it's going to be, for, like I said, a growth period of time for him. And when the team all gets back together, when John Wall, hold on, knock on wood, comes back, it's always a wait and see process with yeah, him. I agree. And Bradley Beal comes back along, <laughs> who had a tremendous season. And I'm going to say as, as much as I want the Lakers to go ahead and pair up AD, LeBron, and Bradley Beal, I would say it's not in your best interest as far as the Washington Wizards concerned to trade him unless you get a whole, whole truckload of assets because he's just playing on an unreal level. 30 points a game. I mean, he's been more of a playmaker, p- passer defensively, I know on a team like that, it's hard to stay focused defensively, so I'm going to give him a little pass on that because he's been better before in previous years, and I think if he gives the opportunity where he sees a winning operation, he's going to go ahead and and focus in on that area, but he's been tremendous on the offensive side of the floor.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's taken a huge step forward, and just looking at some of the, I mean, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but how many old playoff games can you watch? And even going back to 2017, where they, they played in the Eastern Conference semis against Boston, Beal looks like a totally different player. I mean, you you didn't really want him to put the ball on the floor back then, and and now you can kind of throw him the ball on the wing and get out of his way and, and expect, you know, he's probably going to get a bucket. It's just, like you said, the the defense is still a thing. Um, you know, there were a couple times this year when he did take the challenge. They played the Mavericks early in the year. He, you know, he wanted to guard Luca down the stretch. Varying degrees of success with that, but you like him wanting to take that matchup on. So uh, yeah, it's just, I think what they're doing actually makes sense for the first time in a long time. Um, You know, as as a wizards fan, there's been a lot of, well, I I wrote an article around here last at at the tail end of last calendar year about the best 100 wizards of the decade. And the pretty much consensus third best wizard was Marcin Gortat um, who was a (laughs) was a fine player but it, you know it's it's really hard to make a deep playoff run when when that's pretty fairly the the third best guy you've had for for that stretch and they're actually going young they're trying to guys that are compliment you know complimentary guys that also have some upside and you know i think that's sort of what what la did to sort of build back up was to get as many young assets with some ceiling and then then you try to add some stars around it so you know whether that's that is Wall and Beal or the two stars. You know I'm not sure what that'll look like long term, but it's you know it's exciting. I'd much rather be uh, be where you guys are in, in terms of uh, that rebuild, but it could be worse, I guess.
0: That's true. We're very fortunate. Uh, I, I'm not going to tell you differently when you're able to go ahead and get LeBron and AD. I mean that's something that as a Lakers organization that they were able to go ahead and, and hone in on it and do very well, and they did surround with enough players that have those kind of skills to make the team put in the position where they are. But right now, we are essentially focusing on one and two players right there. And we're going to go as far as LeBron and AD together will take us. And I think they're going to take us all the way. But I want to hear your thoughts on Eastern and the Western conferences. Who do you like? Who do you envision as being maybe a surprise team? or And ultimately, who do you think will go ahead and match up in the finals?
1: You know, I think in terms of in terms of who are the, who the best couple teams are, it's going to be a boring answer. Unfortunately, I think Milwaukee and the two LA teams are are just kind of clearly the best, the best of the bunch. the The surprise, air quotes, surprise, maybe maybe not a surprise to anybody, but the two teams I think that maybe could make that a little interesting. And that's assuming nobody gets sick, everybody comes back and plays. Like, there's just a lot of question marks there. But Toronto and Boston, I think, are kind of the two teams that it could make that interesting the run tatum was on when everything you know sort of shut down was was really impressive and i think there are very few coaches in the nba that make like a meaningful difference in their team's ability to like make a deep playoff run and just the stuff that toronto does is like really creative you know they'll they'll trap they press it, it's kind of like unorthodox and i think that works sometimes and what they've been able to do from some you know lesser heralded guys uh is has been really cool to watch so if they stunned somebody or took out the Bucks and got hot, it wouldn't really shock me to be honest with you. But this year's just going to be so weird. What do you do if somebody gets sick? And you know, I would have said the Lakers were the favorite in my personal opinion. I obviously didn't watch them as closely as you as you were this year, but I think the Avery Bradley loss uh, was a legitimate one. You know, just another guy that could go out and you know burn up some minutes by trying to play some gritty D he's obviously not the defender he used to be. He's not shooting it as well as he used to, but you just kind of need like reasonable, competent bodies when you're trying to like match up against somebody like the Clippers. So I think that hurts, but it just to me, when you have the two of the five best players in the league or two of the seven best players in the league, however you want to, you know, end up rating them. It's just such a, you know, such a, such a dramatic advantage. And and I don't really trust Paul George that much. So uh, that that would be my preference to to see a Lakers Bucks final, but you never really know, I guess.
0: You never really know, but it sounds like what you're saying. It looks like it's going to at this point in time. You think if health willing, excuse me you can go ahead and say maybe that the Lakers bucks would be in the finals. I I'm still thinking that I I think if there's any team in the East, like you said, Boston, if Tatum gets hot Philadelphia, if they decide they want to go ahead and play together, but there's Toronto, Nick nurse can come up with a great game plan. You never know because he has been so brilliant over the past season and, and three quarters. Now Miami with Jimmy Butler, you never know how far that's going to take them, but there's so many different options. Houston with the small ball and, and, of course, you said with the Clippers because they have such a deep team. But I'm thinking Lakers-Bucks myself But at this point in time. But Lakers, of course, yes, not only because I host the show, but because of the fact that, I, I, again, it comes down to those two against everyone. I'm going to take, or as they say here in Vegas, those two against the field. I'm going to go ahead and take those two. Of the, a finals matchup between the Lakers and the Bucks, who would you have?
1: You know, I think it just comes down to Chris Middleton. You know how much he—he's the fourth best guy in that series, and and how close he can close those gaps to the other three guys. I think is really what kind of swings that. We had a, a, a game earlier in the year when the Wizards were actually playing pretty well for a stretch, and they played Milwaukee without Giannis and got blown off the floor. It was just unreal. Like there, there's some guys that you wouldn't expect on that team to to really be able to step up, but. They're actually like deeper than I think they get credit for, and and that helps. But when you get into that part of the playoffs, you really just need, you know, guys to like just up their level. And and I've yet to see Chris Middleton kind of take that big step in a big situation. Doesn't mean he can't. Uh, he didn't do it last year, you know, in in any meaningful way when they needed him to. But that was also kind of their first run in it. I, I think that's the biggest thing. Is just when it comes down to it i think you can at least davis can contain giannis enough can can middleton even remotely match the production of somebody like lebron and i think the answer is probably no so if if the lakers get to that point and you know all those surrounding pieces can hold up reasonably well you know nobody gets hurt uh that That's, I think, a matchup that just favors the Lakers. Plus, you have enough big guys to throw at Giannis. I think that's the other move is keep guys fresh. Just keep throwing big bodies at him. Dwight Howard going, not the biggest Dwight Howard fan just because his tenure didn't go particularly well in D.C., but uh, maybe that's even an understatement. But I think just being able to throw a veteran big that's willing to bang around can actually match it up with Giannis reasonably well from a physical standpoint. I think that's just a huge luxury.
0: And then also JaVale McGee, who I I still remember that time in the finals when he was with Golden State, he was put out on an island with a guard and right there, just had enough athletic ability to go ahead. And everybody was thinking that, okay, there's easy three-pointer. He's going to get right around him. Nope. Was able to go ahead, dude. If he stays focused, I know he loves to hunt for the block shot as he did when he was with Washington as well he can for at least give you five, six, seven minutes on Giannis that might go ahead and give AD a break. Because the thing is, yes, you're right. AD can match up very well against Giannis. But the thing is, you don't want to throw AD at him 30 minutes because he's going to get foul trouble, things of that nature. So, yeah, if you like you said, through the whole game. But if you can throw enough bodies out there, smaller or larger on Giannis, that might be enough. Whereas conversely, the Lopez twins, which are have done very great job for, for Milwaukee, I'm not going to say differently, but can they match up well against AD? I think that's going to be a problem quickness-wise for both of them to handle AD. Plus, AD can take them outside and really start to show them some some stuff. Plus, they the Lakers have also a great two-man game that they're really starting up with LeBron AD that they've only shown glimpses of that they could really go ahead and and get going in the playoffs. So, like you said, it's going to be a close matchup. I think. You know, I think it's going to be something everybody wants to see. I'm glad, glad uh, that it's going to be in a format where you can say, "Hey, no home arena is going to be involved in this. It's going to be say, you know, the best team is going to win." Because that's what I think overall in this playoffs. It's due to unfortunate circumstances, but you are going to be able to say that whoever comes out on top with the NBA championship. They, are, they were the best team because they're doing it all under the same circumstances.
1: Yeah, and I think just you made a really good point there too. The LeBron AD two-man game is, is, is going to be just so hard to guard, especially for a team like Milwaukee. I mean, you need Middleton so much offensively that you can't really afford to have him guard LeBron the whole game. And is Dante DiVincenzo big enough to do? I, I just, I, I don't think they have the right personnel for that particular matchup. And Javale, like you said, is actually long enough to go out and, and kind of chase a Brooke Lopez around on the perimeter and things like that too. So I, I, I think if, if the Lakers go up early in a matchup like that, that's maybe one of those series that kind of gets away from Milwaukee pretty quick. That would just be my guess.
0: Well, there you go. Some for us Lakers fans, it's uh, definitely something that that warms our heart once anybody else says that, but you know, either which way, just, just a great opinion there for you. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Gerald from the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Just want to give you a heads up on what's coming up over the next couple weeks right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast a ton of great guests so please if you don't follow us yet or subscribe please do so wherever you get your podcast because there's a great lineup of guests i have coming along the way of course we're going to have rafael barlow from the nba draft junkies always on our show tom wong from lakerholics.net also regular and cannot thank both of them enough for being on our show but we're going to have a lineup of guests for you if you haven't seen already on our facebook page We've got a lot of great guests on the way check it out NBA odds maker Rafael Esparza from Las Vegas. Got Melvin Washington III, also from Las Vegas. He's got a great show that happens every Friday on the Talk to Me Sports Radio Network on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Got Craig James coming up from the Final Score podcast on the Podcast City Network. Corey Harrison's also going to be on the show coming up from the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. Got Matt Maderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast. Eric Sklar from KFI AM 640 and the TSK Show Podcast. He's scheduled to come on the show as well. Got Big Baby Jonathan Soffel from the Big Baby Jonathan Sports Podcast. Got to check out his awesome show. He's coming up on the program here coming up in the very near future. Michael from the RTF Sports Network. Got to check out his awesome sports network that we are a part of each and every week right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Got to check out Michael's great stuff that he's doing there chris jose lebron the off the ball podcast host he's going to stop by the program jb ellis from the program podcast he's also going to come by share his thoughts on the nba scene cole johnson from cole sports snowman digital media and the get over divorce programs he's going to come by on the show and a fogo white franklin the third from fox sports 1340 a.m hopewell He's going to come on and share his NBA thoughts as well. I'm looking forward to it. It's a great lineup of guests. I've recorded some already. I've got many more on the way. And of course, that doesn't even include our NBA mock draft that's also coming right here, number 2.0, with a ton of great draft insiders that's also coming up. All these great shows. You can check it out right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Once again, I have Matt Moderno. He is the host along with NBA veteran Larry Hughes. You got to go ahead and check out their show, Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in Wizards. That's the Believe in Wizards podcast. For Facebook Live users, I actually have it on the screen right here. That's the Believe in Wizards podcast. You got to catch it everywhere you get your podcast going. like He's already named off a ton of NBA guests he's already had on the show whether former players, coaches, whatever, you've heard the list already of just some of the names that he has on there. And if you go right now, you could check out all the great podcasts he's had already. Check it out today. That's the Believe, B-L-E-A-V, In Wizards podcast. And before we head on out, I'm just going to hit you with one last thing, and then you can go ahead and talk about all the great reasons why people need to listen to your show, and that is the Woj Controversy. The Free Woj is now trending on Twitter, Free Woj, Free Woj, in regards to Adrian rochanowski And I reported this the other day on our previous conversation with Rafael Barlow from the NBA Draft Junkies, and that was that he did go ahead with a response or interjected himself into a response when U.S. Senator Josh Hawley sent a letter to... Adam Silver, in regards to his displeasure over some of the things that weren't being said as far as the on the backs of jerseys or what's being represented there, uh, he said he's a conservative representative uh, and he said things that are or could be perceived as far as from a conservative point of view. And Adrian Wojnarowski, in response, well, actually, because it, he just interjected himself because he got a hold of the letter and interjected with Josh Halley by telling him, uh, F you. Um, and regardless whether you're on the right or left, that's that's up to you, it's all you know, what not he did get suspended by the ESPN something which at the time before it came out, something I I was pretty much expecting because as a journalist well, I'll say this, as a journalist, if you're on a show like Stephen A. Smith and you say I disagree with his opinions I think it should be about the Black Lives Matter movement and and the social injustice and racial equality, that's what we should focus on that's what that's no problem I, I that's fine but when you're going ahead as a reporter and you're interjecting yourself right at the right at that very person and putting your opinion in there that's when you board, you know you cross that border as a journalist and i think that's what espn has an issue with but the content and his intent obviously is it's gotten a lot of approval out there and a lot of players nba players they've got the twitter hashtag trending Free Woj out there because they don't want to see Woj suspended because of it. Uh, you know, Like I said, whether you're on the right or left, that's your choice uh, on this issue, but I want to hear your thoughts on the Free Woj Twitter controversy and, and what do you think should happen? I don't know if you know whether what or not you want to say he, he should be suspended or not, but I really think that he should have just left his personal opinion on the ESPN Sports Center to say your opinion's there in a family-friendly manner and, and left it at that.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm mostly with you. I, I think if you're going to do it publicly, you have to be professional about it. And if you want to lay out your reasons for disagreeing, totally fair, and, and everybody has the right to do that, uh, that that's all well and good. You know, the the kind of different point I would maybe try to make is it was a one-person response email he sent, right? He just responded back to that email. So it's a public, supposedly, when you send it, you think partially privately response, it wasn't his choice to take that publicly. If he'd have tweeted, you know, "F you," I think that's that's, that's obviously even a worse. little different. And
0: that's a, that's a even that's like if you were going on. That's a profane way of going on ESPN Sports Center and saying you disagree with it. But he actually sent it as a private email. Now he might have been knowledgeable, thinking that Holly's going to go ahead and post it on social media. Maybe he want to do that, but he sent it directly to Holly, and that's the only thing I say that you know maybe he should not have gone down route.
1: I mean, you know, at some point, I think there's some expectation where, you know, what is and isn't part of your job. If if you feel that strongly about a personal issue and he wanted to respond to it with whatever he wanted to do personally, I'm OK with that. It's just like you got to know that if if you're a, a public figure in some way, that whatever you write, there's a reasonable chance that it becomes a public thing anytime any, you know, interject yourself. So you got to be a little bit better than that. You got to be a little bit above the fray but it happens. I mean, I I don't want to speak for you, but I've definitely had, you know, a moment of frustration or something and and responded publicly or privately, probably more so privately to somebody that I wouldn't want out there. And, uh, it happens. I think you live with the consequences. I, I was a little surprised that timing wise, they would suspend their biggest sports reporter before their biggest sporting event of the last like five or six months. But I think you had to give him something just from a consistency standpoint. Uh, you know, they've, they've done that to other people in the past for similar outbursts or reactions or whatever. So,
0: Jamel Hill, I it, think is probably the most recent that I'm
1: familiar yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. If, if you don't do that, you just, you look really bad. So I'm not surprised he got something. I am a little surprised that it happened exactly how it happened. And for, for, I think it's, they didn't even say for how long yet, did they?
0: No, no. Again, ESPN didn't even report it on their own site. At the time, I, it was all right. going on Twitter and it was all going on Yahoo and all the other sites and whatnot. I went to ESPN.com and I showed it's not that, of course, they're not going to go ahead and air their dirty laundry unless they absolutely have to. But yeah, they didn't give any inclination how long it is. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back right there on the 30th. Sure. So what is he missing? The scrimmages, big deal. So, and like I said, I really truly appreciate him and and his opinion, and I, I I think that could have been a better way to to approach it. And he did, to me, in my opinion, from what I was taught in journalism school and whatnot. I, I think he did cross that line a little bit, but there's no sure. problem. No, I wouldn't have a problem if he said it on Twitter, as far as you know, his opposition to what was said, or if he went on Sports Center opposition. But to go directly, in, when something that wasn't even meant for him in the first place, it was actually a letter to Adam Silver that's yeah that that's I mean if you and I would have done it I mean the expectations are there for us to have someone lay the hammer down on us as well
1: he's just got such a big platform too you know I think it's a much more meaningful response if he does come out publicly and say what he does or doesn't agree with so but it happens you know what I mean I think everybody kind of slips up on some stuff so not not the worst thing I've seen anybody do over the last couple months for sure and you know, if it's a week suspension before he was even set to go down to Orlando anyway, it just, I think he's in Orlando like,
0: quarantining anyways. Right.
1: right exactly. He's <laughs> just, you give him a week's vacation. And it's like when college teams say a coach, you know, had a recruiting violation. So we're going to suspend him for the one preseason scrimmage or whatever. It's just doesn't, doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme.
0: Well, I'm hoping he will be reinstated by the time the league comes back to play on the 30th for actual games he is such an outstanding reporter. I do have infinite respect for him and his inside ability. And, you know, I listen to all of his stuff. He and Sham Sharania, his one-time protege, are now the two preeminent insiders that's out there. So I just, I wish him the best. Uh, and I, again, I'm not going to say I, I don't disagree with what he was saying. Uh, I'm just going to say that, uh, you know, just the way he approached it, I think, in hindsight, as he had said on his Twitter, he had to make the, as you and I both now know, the the apology that you should have to make publicly after something like that, even if it's begrudgingly. I, I just think he was, should have approached it in a different manner. So I'm hoping for the best for him. I'm hoping for the best going forward and that he will use this as a learning tool. And if he wants to go ahead and share those opinions, do it on the air. Do it on the air, just like Stephen Smith does every single day just like Max Kellerman and all the famous ESPN talking heads. Do it there. Share it on that showcase because it gets out to a lot larger people and your your opposition and gets more out there and, and you'll get more support from it. But he's getting a ton of support now for the Free Woj movement on Twitter. So it's interesting to see how Twitter and the NBA players are doing it. But yeah, it's a great story, uh, either which way. It's just interesting when the story breakers become the story. That, to me, is the most intriguing part of it all.
1: If, if you're in the insight game and, and your your job is to be an insider and you rely really heavily on those relationships with players, just like you said, based on their reaction so far, uh, it hasn't hurt his overall image with, with the players in any way. So so maybe playing the long game here, it actually benefits him a little bit.
0: Oh, well, absolutely. Absolutely, indeed. But before we head on out, Matt, I want to go ahead and, and it's your time. You have the floor. You got as much time as you need to tell people why they need to believe. In the Believe in Wizards podcast?
1: We actually can't take credit for the name there. We're part of a, a larger podcast network called the Believe Podcast Network. And, and the goal is to attach sort of a, a host. You know, I have a broadcast journalism degree, I've written for a ton of local outlets um, with a former athlete to provide just sort of different insight. Uh, you know, locally, we have a lot of good Wizards content, but there aren't a ton of, of former players that come on and, and give sort of that X's and O's level um you know, insight into things. So so that's what Larry and I are trying to do every week. Um so Larry Hughes played for a bunch of different teams, played for the Wizards for kind of the the best couple years of his career and, and just really fond of the city. So we teamed up to do that. You know, the, the network has uh like Rick Barry does the Warriors podcast and Ralph Sampson does a podcast. So they they got a couple of big former NBA names and threw a couple of names out there. The last big name we had was Gilbert Arenas two episodes ago. That was that's a guy that probably could have talked basketball for like four hours without needing a break. So, so that was a fun one to sit in on, but yeah, we're just trying to, trying to provide some player level behind the scenes uh, insight into what they're seeing on the court. So we've been, you know, a little more general NBA focused over the quarantine just because there's not enough wizard specific stuff. But if anybody's ever interested in, in finding out, Hey, this is why this player did this. And uh, this might be what this coach is saying in this huddle. That's that's the stuff we, you know we're gonna try to get into once there's actual uh there's actual games to talk about again. So appreciate you giving us an opportunity to plug that a little bit. This was so fun. You know, I will be rooting for the Lakers just because of all the the nice things you guys have done for us and, and all the toys you've <laughs> provided our way the last couple of years. So uh this has been great.
0: It's been great for me as well. Using that we're both using that G word so much. We'll take know, it. Yep. It, but it is great. It is, again, once again, Matt Moderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast, part of the Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. So if you type in the regular way, you're not going to find it. It's B-L-E-A-V podcast network. You got to check out what he's doing today with all the great guests that he has on with, of course, NBA veteran Larry Hughes on the Believe in Wizards podcast. And then if you, I know you said you do a lot of written work as well. Can you drop a uh, knowledge on everybody out there on how to get holding on Twitter and where you write not Where you writing at?
1: Yeah, sure. So I, I just write for the local Wizard Espy Nation site, Bullets Forever. Um, my, my Twitter handle is just at Matt Moderno, M-O-D-D-E-R-N-O. So all that good stuff. You know, I I wrote for like a Draft Express and people like that in the past. So just just kind of different different NBA outlets. Just the podcast. You know how it is. It, it takes up so much time to to kind of clean these things up and get them produced and. That's sort of my main focus these days. But just did an article the other day about top ten center prospects in the NBA draft. So just trying to keep some content going until we have real games again.
0: I know how that is firsthand. Yeah. Someone who hosts, a <laughs> you can relate. Fantasy football, NBA, and of course the main gig—the pop culture stuff that I do. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you. But I want to bring you back on very soon. Especially because the NBA Draft has come around and I, I again, I, I've been working with Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies, Stone Handsome from DraftSite.com, the Weisenbergs from Viceland who are both uh, just very invested. Like they did a mock draft that I got kicked out of because StreamYard only did six and I was the seventh. So they did a mock draft yesterday, so it was really fun to watch them go ahead and pick. I've done it before with them as well, but yes, I'd love to have you part of that and all that. So we, we'd love to get you involved mm-hmm. in that and love to bring you back on for your insight. Cause I'm doing a lot of NBA draft shows here. So I would really love to have you back on, not only for the playoff insight and all that, but also NBA draft stuff as well.
1: Uh, this was absolutely great. I had so much fun doing this. So uh, anytime you need somebody, I'm, I'm happy to fill in.
0: And you know what I say to that? That's just great. <laughs> yeah.
1: We got our name for our podcast episode here. I think.
0: It was I was going to say yeah, either that or free Woj but I think I like the great better. But I tell you what, it is Matt Merdano, Matt Merdano from Believe in Wizards podcast. You got to check it out today at the Believe Podcast Network. B L E A V. Just type that in. In Wizards, you see all the great guests he has there. It's an awesome podcast. I've already listened to a few episodes already. It's the Believe in Wizards podcast. You gotta check out Matt Moderno's work there and everywhere else. You gotta go ahead and check out if you're a Wizards fan or you just love the NBA. Well, there you go, Matt. I truly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being part of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Looking forward to our conversations down the line on the NBA, the playoffs, the Wizards, the NBA draft, and so much more right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.